Good morning. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Now, there's a lot of new faces and people that I haven't met yet, so I thought I'd introduce myself again. My name is Pastor Larissa, and if I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you. Um, a couple announcements for you this morning. Next Sabbath uh, we is the 10th of July, and we have two things going on. First off, we will be having potluck out in the park, which will be at Leslie Groves, and we're very excited for that, so bring a dish to share. And then following that, we will be having mosaic also out in the park at Leslie Groves. So we'll have potluck out in the park, and then we will have um, mosaic out in the park as well. That will be at 4.30, and if you can come, we would love to see you. Um, men's breakfast has been, uh, was previously postponed, which is now put till July 11th, which is next, not tomorrow Sunday, but a week from tomorrow. That'll be July 11th, and that will be from, Pastor Sergio, remind me the time. 9 to 10.30. So there will be pancakes, so guys, bring your appetite. Men's breakfast, a week from tomorrow, 9 to 10.30. As always, we ask that you guys will continue to keep our church members in your prayers. Um, we have a lot of people who desperately need um, us to pray for them. And speaking of prayer, um, today we have, we are going to be doing our corporate prayer. So I'm very excited about that. And Pastor Fred is going to lead us in that now. Good morning, family. Doesn't this feel like a new chapter in a book? It does. We're not going back to normal. We're just going to a new chapter in the book. But I'll guarantee you, this chapter, God has something planned. He's got something planned because he's got each one of our attentions. This pandemic woke a lot of us up. We experienced things we never experienced before. I never even experienced the heat like last week before. God is moving. And this earth is talking to us in, in ways that we have to be listening to and wake up to. God is moving. And so this morning, we want to get back to the most crucial part of worship, and that's talking to our Heavenly Father. Because we're, without Him, we're nothing. We're nothing. He's invited each one of us here to be in His presence today. We are His children, and oh, we are blessed. So I invite you, if possible, to kneel with me in prayer as we come before our Father and pray to Him today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your presence that is with us right now. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is not only moving amongst us, but is moving within us. May this new chapter of this church be an exciting one. You have great things for us. We have been through a lot with these last 15 months. We've experienced things that we've never experienced before. But I just thank you that you were always there. You never abandoned us. That we could call upon you at any moment and we'll be able to do that even in the future. Because of your unconditional love, you surround us, you guide us, you direct us. And we are blessed. We do have people within our church who are experiencing some um, illness, some problems, I pray that you will cover them as well. We have our members, our family who are being out and about, little vacationing and traveling, keep them safe. But Father, it is such a joy to be able to come to you this morning and give you the glory and the praise that you truly deserve because of who you are. Be with Pastor Serge as he speaks to us. May the words out of his mouth be the words that you want us to hear. May you open up our minds and our heart to receive the message. 
may your presence be felt through this entire service that when we leave today, we will be changed because we have experienced you. Thank you, thank you, Father, for who you are, for being with us now and the future and the times to come. And we do look forward to that day that we get to go home. I can hardly wait for that reunion. But for now, may we just be at peace in our hearts knowing that you're in control and that your presence is here. And we thank you and give you praise. In your loving son's name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to commune with God in song. So I invite you all to stand with us as we sing to him. shadow you won't light up 
mountain you won't climb up coming after me no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear
church morning church there we go is he worthy oh man that just really ministered to me thank you so much pastor it really snows in the tri-cities really if it snows it's just a couple of inches and then it melts you know and then well pastor this is really really rare I have to admit that there were moments where I was actually praying for snow this week. <laughs> On Monday, it was 117. We knew that, not just because my phone told me, but because it happened to be the day that our AC decided to quit on us. Oh, yeah. And we were like, it's all right, man, mission trip, mission trip. We can do this. Put on a bunch of fans, you know, 95 degrees. First time ever I can remember in a long time that I've slept with no shirt on. On Tuesday, 118 degrees. It was so hot. Come on. How hot was it, right? It was so hot that our artificial flowers were dying. It was so hot that I saw a funeral procession drive through a Dairy Queen. <laughs> it was so hot that our dog Lucy asked for some sunscreen. <laughs> it was so hot that Sean's chickens were laying hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> it was so hot that I was considering a call to the North Pole, really. It was so hot that our thermo thermostat went from 117 to, are you kidding? That's, that's what it said. That's it. That was it. No more. Well, after some love and encouragement from some friends, from some neighbors, and then seeing Lucy, our dog, panting and literally crying, we decided, you know, until we figure out what's wrong and how to fix this, we decided to stay at a hotel. Some friends helped us out until we can get someone to come out and look at it. And uh, we got to this wonderful hotel in the Tri-Cities. And, uh, and it, was, it was nice. It was certainly warmer, I mean cooler, <laughs> than our house until uh, somewhere in the middle of the night, the AC in the hotel, in our room, died. So now we're like, okay, this is, just, this is just a joke right here now. And then, and then uh, we decided to switch rooms, so they switched rooms for us. Nice, beautiful rooms, by the way. And it was nice and cool. 
we were sleeping in 72 degrees. You know, we actually said, oh, let's go to 69, you know. <laughs> let's really splurge, you know. And Nancy went to the bathroom that morning. And uh, I hear, like, uh, Serge, um, I think I'm locked in the bathroom. I'm like, what do you mean you're locked in the bathroom? I can't get out. Well, let me see what I can do. So I get like a little credit card thing. I try to get in there. To, nothing. So now I'm like, well, let me call the maintenance guy and, and see what he says. And there was a moment where I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. No, no, no. I immediately called the front desk and, and they sent some big guy coming up and he's like, all right, let me see what I can do. And he's like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is. And then he's trying to do nothing. And then he finally says to Nancy, could you please stand in the uh, tub for me? He's like, oh, this is going to be bad, you know. Next thing you know, he's just like, <clears throat> and he just finally opens it up, breaks the whole thing. And Nancy comes out, and he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, hey, hey listen, that's okay. It, it happens. And then it was so hot that day we decided to go to the pool to go swimming. And while I was getting the towels at the front desk, Nancy comes in. She goes, don't even bother. I'm like, why? What's going on? She goes, the pool is all, pool is all cloudy and dirty, and there's glass in the pool. And I'm like, what is going on over here? But I got to tell you, just because I have to, uh, the manager was excellent, took care of us, and apologized and uh, gave us, whenever we want, a, a free night at the same hotel. So we're going to go into winter sometime and see how it goes, you know. <laughs> well, he finally got someone there, a professional, who got it to mostly work for now. He said it's going to work. It's, it's like a 50-year-old unit. You know, we're renting a house. It's a 50-year-old unit. He says, I can't even believe this thing has lasted this long. And he said, uh, but you know, it's working about 80% and we'll see how long it stays. <laughs> so we're back at home now and, and it was nice last night to sleep in our own bed. It got up to 83, 84, it wasn't too bad. The, with the fans, it was fine. <clears throat> I don't know about you, and I'm sure I bet you got some stories too. Uh, that might have been, that would even beat our story for this, this week. But this kind of heat is no fun, is it? I mean, I'm from Naples, Italy, and it's hot there, but I don't remember ever feeling the way I, I, I did this week, I got to tell you. Unless, of course, it's the kind of heat that comes from the Holy Spirit fire. Now, that kind of heat I like. Amen? The kind of, of, of heat that from the Holy Spirit that, that transforms us, the kind of heat that melts our hearts, the kind of heat that propels us, gives us energy to get stuff done. Now, that kind of heat, I'm really into it. There was an early reformer who was known to say, catch on fire for God, and people will come for miles to watch you burn. I want that kind of relationship with Christ. How about you? Or to be like those disciples that walked with Jesus on the way to Emmaus. And as they walked with Jesus and as he was sharing with them the, the, from the Bible about the Christ and the Messiah, they said to, their, to, to each other, were not our hearts, what? Burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Now that is the kind of heat I'm in for. The title of the sermon is Not Hot Enough. And I know you guys came here and you're like, what? Not hot enough? It's too hot, right? Well, I don't know about you, but I walked away from this experience saying, no, Satan, it's not hot enough for you to discourage me from being here this Sabbath. Kind of like the three Hebrew slaves that were thrown into the fire 
and the fire was not hot enough to burn them. Why? Because Jesus was in the midst. Not hot enough. So historians tell us that the city of Laodicea uh, was near what's now the Turkish city of Denzili. And Laodicea, historically speaking, was a very, very wealthy city. In fact, most of the banking in that area was done in Laodicea. Uh, there was this, this uh, uh, um, industry of black wool clothing uh, that only they had, and it was, it was very, very prosperous for them. They actually had special medicines. Physicians would stop on their way to any place else to go to Laodicea to get this special medicine. It was a great place. <clears throat> and it was so rich, historians tell us that after the earthquake in AD 60, it, then, it didn't even need the help of the Roman Empire. This was a wealthy place. There was only one problem, though. It had a very lousy water supply. We are told that the water came from the hot springs of the Heropolis that was six miles away, and it would come through these pipes. It was a system that was powered by the Romans before. And by the time it got to the city, it wasn't hot nor cold. It was what they called lukewarm. And it was the only thing that this, this place, this, this town, this rich place, they couldn't get cold water. And we are told that the church became like that water in that town. It became lukewarm. Jesus had something very interesting to say to the church of Laodicea. In Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 14 through 17, here's what it says. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. Do you know that, by the way? Do you know that God knows everything you do and say? Who you are really deep down, do you know that? I know your deeds, he says, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, he says. You mean, you just want us to be hot, right? What do you, why would you want us to be cold? So because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I'll settle for you. No, that's not what it says, does it? He says, I am about to do what? Spit you out of my mouth. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's kind of harsh, isn't it? From the kind, loving, gentle Jesus. Because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Theologians believe that the church of today mimics the Laodicean church, that the church of the last days is the church that is lukewarm, not Richland, of course. But I wonder how content we are, how rich we think we are. How much we think we don't need anything. I really believe that our need is Christ's 
most powerful tool to reach our lives. And if we don't feel that need, something is missing. It's important to understand the original context of this passage. It was originally written to encourage persecuted Christians to remain faithful and hopeful during the tyranny of the Roman Empire. Many Christians in those days, and especially in Laodicea, were hiding their faith. They were trying to participate in both the state religion as well as their Christian communities. They didn't want to offend anybody. They didn't want to lose their wealth. They didn't want to lose their influence. They didn't want to lose their, their image. And so they became what Jesus called lukewarm. Lukewarm believers define their lives merely by the evil they avoid rather than the good God wants them to achieve. I meet so many Christians today that basically all they're about is avoiding evil rather than actually doing good. Lukewarm believers rarely share their faith with their neighbors, their co-workers, or friends. I love what Charles Spurgeon, an old preacher, once said, you are either a missionary or an imposter. Lukewarm believers think about life on earth much more often than eternity in heaven. Lukewarm believers do not rely on faith. They trust in certainty. Some of you need to think that through a little bit and wonder, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, faith is actually asking us to embrace uncertainty. It is only when we embrace uncertainty that we're actually acting in faith. When we're certain, we don't need faith, do we? Their lives are structured so that they rarely ever rely on God. Lukewarm believers give God their leftovers, not their first and best. Lukewarm believers equate their moral lives with holiness. But Jesus didn't call us only to be moral. He called us to be holy. Isn't that true? You have heard it said, do not murder, but if I say to you, do not hate. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you, do not lust. You have heard it said not to lie, but I say to you, be real, be authentic. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And at the end he says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then the disciples are sitting there going, well, forget that. How's that going to happen? That's the point. See, we all can have morality. We can all act moral. But only Jesus can transform us into holiness. I can avoid murdering. I can avoid adultery. I can avoid stealing because I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to be sued by my wife one day. And that's moral. Nobody knows. It's just, just the way I am. And I'm a good guy. I hear people say that all the time. There's good people in the world. Show they're good people. They're moral people. But only Jesus can make you and I holy. Morality is good except when it interferes with holiness. I love this quote by Sheldon Van Ook. Let's see if we can get it up there. It says, the best argument... Is it up there? Oh, yeah, it's good, good, good. The best argument for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, their completeness. 
But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. When they are somber and joyless, when they are self-righteous and smug, in complacent consecration, when they are narrow and repressive, then Christians dies a thousand deaths. And it is so true. As I meet unbelievers, I find that probably the most difficult thing to explain are believers that are not really believers. Believers who play church but don't live church. How are we doing out there? Lukewarm. Another word for lukewarm is coasting. Are there areas in your life that God has gifted you with? Talents, resources, or opportunities, and you are just coasting, not really reaching your full potential with those? Coasting, pursuing, not pursuing, rather, in full throttle the dreams and aspirations God has put in your heart. Coasting. Coasting, not taking advantage of the religious freedom, the amazing resources, and kingdom chances to help others across the threshold of eternity. That's just coasting. That's lukewarm. Another word is settle. Settle is another word for lukewarm. You've heard me say this before, the greatest enemy to excellence is what? Good. Good enough. We get to go, oh, don't touch it, it's good enough. Good enough may be good, but it's not excellent, right? There's a huge difference between good and excellent. Are you settling for good enough? Settling says, I will never beat this addiction. Settling says, I will never have the courage to witness. Settling says, I will never have enough time for my family. Settling says, I will never really be healthy. Settling is the same thing as lukewarm. Believe the lie that we have reached our limits. That is lukewarm. God wants to do so much more through us. Isn't that true? And sometimes we step out in faith and we experience the exhilaration of being used by God. And so Jesus gives them a counsel in Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined. What, is that? what, is, what has to happen to gold for it to, to be refined? It has to be going through what? Hot heat. There were moments when it was 117 and the AC wasn't working that I'm thinking, bring it on, God. Refine me. <laughs> Not hot enough. <laughs> and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Gold. To accept the trials, not as limiting factors, but as what God uses to make you beautiful. What God uses to make you valuable, refined and tested. Enduring faith, that which helps us to be committed to him. Sometimes we have to go through that, don't we? I don't know about you, but I am the closest to God when I'm going through trials. Because I feel the need so deeply. White clothes, only Jesus can cover us with righteousness. I hope by now you know this. Stop with the elaborated fig leaves stuff. <laughs> Stop with trying to clothe you. God, I love what Jesus is saying here. Look, look, only I can make you holy. And I don't know about you, but 
I don't mind Jesus being my clothing designer. Beats Armani any day, let me tell you. And I'm Italian. And then ointment, the salve, to heal. Say it with me. Just, just try it, okay? I am broken. Come on, say it. But God is fixing me. I am broken, but God is fixing me. See, we've got to come to the point where we realize that. But we're not ashamed to say that. We get vulnerable with each other enough to say, hey, look, this is the reality. I'm broken, but God is working with me. That's what's so awesome about God. Don't you think so? So let me give you some practical advice for those of us who want to be hot for God. Surround yourself as much as possible with strong, faithful Christians who can learn, you, who can, you can lean on for support. Are there people in your lives? I, I'm always amazed. Sometimes, even like sometimes, I'll talk to pastors at pastors' retreat and say, you know, let me ask you, well, who's your best friend? And inevitably, they'll say either Jesus or my spouse. And I'm like, cool, cool, that's great too, because same with me. But besides Jesus and your spouse, who can you lean on for support? If you do not have people in your lives that you can surround yourself with to lean on for support, for accountability, to, Solomon said it, I saw something stupid under the sun. Somebody trying to work alone. <laughs> Two are better than one. Three are even better, right? Read your Bible often. Not of some kind of duty or like I got to do my devotions. I got 20 minutes. Okay, let's get it in there. And you kind of read it and like, okay, I got it done. Thanks. Cool. No, no, read your Bible. Like, go deep. Even if it's just one verse and then think about it and chew on it and just digest it. Let it become part of you. That's, that's what I mean by reading your Bible. You know what I'm talking about? Talk to God often. Sometimes I'm reading my Bible and what it's saying it causes me to talk to him. Talk to God often. And then, here's, here's something novel. Listen. Just be quiet. Or as God would say, be still and know that I am God. I think, we're, I think we live in a world where we're all ADD, by the way. It's amazing what's going on today. Be still. Ask God for a strong faith, a life that, a, a faith that is, a life that is connected. Serve with God. Like, in other words, be where their spirit is. He is always at work. Be there where he is. Don't just say, okay, God, I'm going over here. I hope you come with me. No. Get up in the morning and say, okay, God, where are you going to be today? Because I want to be there where you are. And so, God, when I go to work, where are you going to be? Who can I shine for? Who needs a smile? Who needs a firm handshake? Who needs a hug? Who, Lord, can I share the good news with? Sure, sure. Some people are going to just be like, yeah, you're crazy, and that's fine. But I'd rather be crazy for God than normal for Satan. <laughs> I don't know, just think about that. So Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Here I am. I stand at the door 
and what? Knock. I love that. Why is he knocking? It's not because he can't get in. <laughs> Jesus can go right through the door, but why is he knocking? He's knocking because he will never force himself inside. He wants you to open the door. Isn't that cool? And by the way, you just have to open the door a little bit. Just a little bit. He says, I stand at the door, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and what? Eat with that person. Jesus is Italian, I'm telling you right now. He's inviting himself over to eat. And they with me, I love this. Here I am, he says. I love this. Here I am. It's me, not the church, not the religion, not the doctrine. It's me. I am here. And I will sup with them. I read about immigrants from Italy that, that were traveling on a ship to New York. And they went down into the low parts of the boat to eat cheese and crackers that they had brought from Italy. And then one day, they were found, found by the porter, and they were like, what are you guys doing here? Like, we're eating. And they're like, don't you know the meals are included? Don't you know that the meal is included? that you could sup with the captain of the ship. Isn't that cool? An old lady had been married for many years, many, many years, when suddenly her husband died. And this is what she put on his tombstone. The light of my life has gone out. Not long afterward, she met, fell in love, and married another man. And after thinking at some length about it, she went to the monument maker and had him add this to the tombstone. The light of my life has gone. P.S. I found a match. Perhaps you find yourself wondering if you're hard enough. You're doing all the right things, the energy you once had, however, for Christ just isn't there anymore. Perhaps you need to find a match and rekindle that flame. I urge you, do it. Do it before the light goes fully out in your life. As we sing this next song, make it your prayer. Set a fire in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. Because I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Amen? Make it your prayers.
Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the fire that you put in our hearts. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to guide us, Lord. And thank you for reminding us how important it is to be hot for you, Lord. I want to pray, Father, that your spirit would be with us for the remaining of this day, Lord, and as we experience the heat that's outside, may it remind us, Lord, that you want us to be hot for you, to be on fire for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an awesome, awesome day, awesome Sabbath. We will see you next week. God bless you.